Alrighty, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Always His Podcast. And today, man, we got a very special one. As you guys can see, we're in a brand new set today. We've never been here before. We're all the way in Riverside, California today. And uh, we got a huge special guest today, man. When we first started the podcast, this is one of the ones that we had on our list as far as people we wanted to get, man. It was a long mm-hmm. shot, but uh, Dan shot the DM. And uh, Dan, tell him Landry, why it's baby. so special we have the guest today. Um, for uh, There's a couple of reasons, right? So first of all, this guy has son- sold tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars online with his clothing brands um this guy he's a killer in the business game man so and uh he's got he's fresh too he's he, he you know he's in the fashion industry he's swaggy he came out here dripping with the roly crazy um so shout out to frankie man and another reason why too is because um here uh, well as you can see you know all of us um we come from like a mexican background you know ethnic background man so it's always really good to have somebody that's from our culture really represented man for people like ourselves that's doing really big fucking things in the space of business and any other space really so um this one hits home for us man um, so welcome Frankie to the to the pod, man. Yo, glad yeah. to be here. Welcome <laughs> to Riverside, man. Yeah, we're we're having in us, casa, man. my house. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful house, by us. the way, bro. Oh, thank you. Beautiful thank house. you. Thank you. Yeah, I never really had anybody over. You guys are the first guests that I've had. <laughs> Especially right something way. like this, bro. All the cameras is, yeah. is wild. That's what I appreciate it, man. You know, that's what happens. You slide in the DMs and you end up in the in the home. You know what I mean? It's crazy what you can do with sliding in some DMs, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And for people at home, man, you guys can do your research. Look him up. All the stuff that he has, his powerhouse brands that he has going on. He's been featured in Forbes magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine, um, and tons of other ones, man. We've been here all day if we listed every single accolade that he has, man. But we're excited to have him on. Yeah, man. We're, we're excited. Appreciate you coming on, man. Thank Let's get you. into it. Yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> so, Frankie, dude, I, I, w- I want to kick it off, bro, because um, I know you have a really cool story, how you came up. Um, we're in your hometown still, so it's really badass. You stayed in the hometown. Uh, you built your wealth. You stayed here. A lot of people build wealth, and, you know, they dip. And um, so I, I, w- I want you, bro, to kind of go into your story, bro, where at the point where, like, obviously you know that you're, you're searching for something, you want something, right? But shit's not really working out. Maybe we're getting hiccups. So... Take take the listeners, bro, to that that spot in your life where you're barely kicking off. You're trying to get the wheels off the ground. Uh, what was that moment? What was that like, bro? Because I mean, now not to cut you off, but now obviously you have the Lambo outside. You have all the nice shit, but um, it didn't start off like that. Yeah, I mean, none, none of the materialistic things to me like means anything. Mm. And I know that sounds like cliche to most people, but I really don't care too much about them. I have a like really crazy car enthusiast brand that i've built that revolves around cars so because of that i've had like eight cars at a time you know Mm. it's always been like in my like passion and blood Mm. with that brand but if i didn't have like tuned in tokyo my clothing brand i probably wouldn't have a lot of like the materialistic things Mm. that i have um but it didn't start off that way like i grew up here in like riverside and in orange county california going back and forth my parents were divorced when i was like three years Mm. old and uh, when they separated, it was a big deal because like I, I knew that kind of changed like the whole like timeline of like my childhood, mm-hmm. basically going from like two person income to one person, single mom. Uh, my mom had to do a lot of different things to kind of put on the food, food on the table. Like mm-hmm. uh, like she did a lot of like fraud stuff with checks and stuff like that, which ended up getting her in jail. And uh, we moved a lot. So we got evicted like two, three times a year. Mm -hmm. I I went to 14 different schools just because like sometimes there was years where I would go to this like different schools, three different schools within Within one year. Damn. So being the first kid going to this school, this school. And the reason why is because we were getting evicted and moving from one place to another. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of moving going on. And I remember something specifically happened at the age of seven. Mm hmm. 
So we're on our way. I'm getting dropped off at school. And I had a really uh, good friend. He was like my best friend at the time. His name was Zach. He passed through. Our car broke down kind of like around the corner from the school. And I saw him like passing by. And uh, they, were, they weren't really driving anything fancy, but he waved. And I remember it was like a brand new car. It might have been like a Corolla or whatever, but it was brand new. Mm-hmm. Our car was like obviously beat up, rust, little rust bucket. And that's why it broke down on the side. And I remember like that exact moment where I started realizing that there were brands like at seven years old. I'm like, what is that? Oh, there's a Mercedes. There's a Lexus. I started realizing stuff, materialistic things that it was kind of just like blind to me my whole Mm. life. You're a kid. You shouldn't even be thinking about Mm. those things. So uh, and I'm like, well, how can I get those things? Oh, it's money. Maybe money was the reason why my parents were divorced. Maybe that's what separated. Maybe that's why I'm moving so much. Maybe I'm going through all of these like hardships because of that. So I told myself then and there that when I was old enough, which is like around 14, that I was never going to accept anything from my parents, that I was going to take care of myself and get everything I can to make this money, do everything I can to make this money in the most legal and ethical way possible. So that, that's basically what happened at 14. That was the start of it, dude. Um, I, I, there's a lot of like stuff, man, that you mentioned that I know like a lot of the listeners, a few things in there you mentioned, man, like I relate to it. Um, and some of us here, a few things you said really relate to that stuff, man. So um, uh, to me, you know, when I hear a story like that, I, I think it's really cool, bro, how, I mean, you know, I don't know if you sound like you grew up probably in the hood, you know, if you're like, yeah, around, for you know? sure. In the um, hood, bro. A couple of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a few hoods. Yeah, <laughs> a few hoods. Hood, but... yeah. So, and, and sometimes, man, like it's just, I love that part of the story, man, because it's so easy to sometimes people to to kind of give power to their surroundings, bro, and like say like, oh, well, I came from this, so I can't do this, or I come from here, so I can't do this part, or, you know, like I, I'm from here, so I can't get to this part in life, man. So um, it's real cool, bro, to have you as an example that like doesn't matter, dude, if you lived in fucking 13 different cities or, or, or neighborhoods, you know, like you can still come out to it and make it. Yep. Um, man, that's that's pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Yep, and, and like uh, the, going back to like the minority ethnic background like my parents are first generation well i'm first generation american Mm. so my parents are from like mexico okay and like if you just their stories their timeline is a like movie itself i mean they grew up in a small little brick home shack no running water like it was Mm. bad bro like as poor as it gets my dad he like immigrated here to mex uh from mexico Mm. when he was 16 years old he lived under a bridge for two years so he had no one nothing and uh that's how crazy it was like even going back like my dad's dad was murdered oh shit my grandpa was i never met him but he was murdered in Mexico, mexico just over some dumb things at a liquor store so it's like since the very beginning i was dealt with like tough cards if your parents have a tough background and they immigrate here from wherever it is that even if it's like any other country if you're first generation american if you look like me then definitely like you have to open yourself up and kind of just ask yourself how much sacrifice did they do in order to for you to be born here so I never took that lightly. And that's why my my first motivation was my parents. So I always say this, like if you grew up like what more motivation do you need? A lot of people need motivation. They they wake up, they listen to a YouTube video, an Instagram reel like they're doing everything they can to get that shot of dopamine to motivate them. Mm-hmm. To me, it's more like, well, if you're broke, if your parents are broke, 
if you know you're not the best version of yourself or if you have kids, what more motivation do you need Mm -hmm. to get up and get to work and change it? And that's like the main thing that I realized at that age, I need to do everything I can to not only provide for myself, but to provide for my parents. And I knew straight up, bro, from the jump that they weren't going to be able to support me. And I was right. I was right. If I just stood there and did nothing and just kind of just thought about living in in the same bubble that I was living in the rest of my life, I knew that my parents wouldn't be able to support me. And I'm glad that I made that decision to kind of just take control of my life. So a lot of people should do the same thing. 100%, 100%, bro. Wow. And it sounds like one of the things you, I heard, one of the things you said on another podcast is that what kind of drove you so much too was because you grew up without without so much and kind of seeing your parents struggle. So it kind of made you not want that even more, you know? And I'm like super relatable for a lot of people at home where maybe they're in entrepreneurship, they haven't got their start yet, but all they know is they don't know where they want to go yet. They just know they don't want, they don't want to be here, you know, or yeah. where they're at now. Yeah. So that's money, bro. How have you grown up like that for sure? Yeah, I feel like a lot of people grow up the same way, especially here in California. We're so diverse. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, I, I speak a lot about like minorities and, and people that are just of color. You know, I don't care if you're Asian, black, Mexican, Middle Eastern, like we all go, go through the same mm-hmm. things, bro. And like I bring these like controversial to- topics up and it's not even that I'm like a liberal or anything because I lean more towards Republican <laughs> conservative anyways. I'm just being real, like human yeah. to human. Like if your skin is a little darker, you probably don't have the same chances of making it as someone that's white with blue eyes. Like it's straight up. Mm -hmm. I'm in a league right now where like I never would have thought I never dealt with racism my entire life until like last year. I didn't think it existed. I I knew racism existed. I just didn't think it existed for me. Mm. So Uh, what changed or what made it happen? you get to a point where you're climbing so high on that ladder and there are certain people up there that don't want you to succeed as far as like that limit and they're pushing you down. Like you shouldn't get that far. We're you trying shouldn't to get that you. far. There's, so there's do you feel like that whole Kanye thing about being marginalized? One in the million percent, bro. When Kanye stood out and what he said was totally bad. Like there are certain things that he said that I to- 100% disagree with. But a <laughs> lot of things that he did say I do agree with because if you're in his shoes, if you've are a person of color you've definitely dealt with that especially at his level like i didn't get when he was on sway in the morning going crazy bashing i don't have you don't know the answers whatever he was talking about he was just ranting but i feel him he was trying to break the bubble and they weren't letting him. they were trying to marginalize and keep him they were trying to they had chains on him bro and that's literally what I've been dealing with since last year. So you're getting similar resistance like that too because Probably of where you're at right now? Probably not on his level for sure, but yeah. Even like getting one, in like that stratosphere. For basically. sure. I'm in like at the entry point and they're trying to keep that door closed for sure, bro. So what are like certain things that have happened to you that they've tried to do to marginalize you? Like specifically? Well, think about it. Like um, I'm... As far as entrepreneurship, I'm probably one of the most known entrepreneurs. If you ask anyone from like the Gary V's to the Grant Cardones who I am, they will tell you who I am. They know who I am. Uh-huh. But no podcast, no stage, no one has ever reached out to do anything except people of the same color as me. Mm. So I'm doing this podcast because you guys are we're, we're all in the same bubble here. Mm. But these bigger platforms that have millions and millions of followers, big stages, they don't book people like me. They don't want to work with people like me. 
And look at the stages, man. It's like there is no culture up there. It's 90 percent. I'm in rooms, guys, where there's people that are making anywhere from eight figures to 10 figures. And I don't think I've ever seen anyone that looks like me in there. No. We're we're less than one percent. Dude, and it's so funny you mentioned that, bro, because we've gone to like Talked about that on the way here, bro. No when way. you said that, because it's yeah, like it, it's crazy, bro, because we've gone to like uh, a few a few like events and masterminds. Some like you know entry level, a couple hundred bucks. Others like ten, fifteen k for like just like the VIP tick for a couple of days, bro. And every fucking time we're like the we're the only like brown kids in there. You know what I mean? It doesn't fail. All the eyes get like start yeah, migrating yeah, bro, towards you guys. guys. Yeah, we went into one like was a couple months back, and yeah. it was like a big cocktail hour, like entry welcome, like the party. As soon as we walked in, bro, it was like. You know, like those movies, right? Where all the eyes just go, boom. Like yeah, everyone yeah, on the yeah. same person. That's how it was when we walked in. Because yeah. everyone else was like not of color. They were kind of the same way. And it was like, yeah. you stick out a lot, bro, for sure. Use my white person voice. I have that. Like, oh, <laughs> hi, guys. How are you doing today? <laughs> no, I have one of those. And I think that like the reason why is because we're so used to working with our hands. Like our family from generation to generation. They're so used to working with their hands, mm-hmm. with labor. I think that the other like races they kind of just work with their brain mm. they work with their brain rather than their hands and i think that that's like the first step to kind of tell yourselves that you are good enough and you're smart enough and you're able to learn things that you don't know and, and that's why you guys are like getting in the right rooms now because those people know that and they've gotten a better opportunity honestly like if if you're first generation american you probably didn't start at the same level than most people mm-hmm. for sure guaranteed mm-hmm. guaranteed no, yeah, a thousand percent, dude, because um, especially if your parents immigrated, well, like, and they're the first ones. Like, for me, I came here when I was, like, 12. And just, like, even meeting my friends and shit, like, I know that, you know, like, you start, like you said, you know, you start, you're on, you're on the same track, dude, but you're starting, like, maybe 10, 15, 20, 40 yeah, meters back, bro. you know, easy. You even said um, learning English. I mean, was, we even fucking learn English. Yeah, that's dude. a barrier that not a lot of people go through. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> even to learn, I can't learn. hard to learn. Bro, dude. like, even, like, I heard there's certain areas where, like, even in the black community, there are certain areas where black people, when they spend their money, not nothing is revolving back into the the black community. Mm-hmm. When they're spending a dollar, their dollar doesn't go towards the black community. It goes towards other communities. Well, that's why they always push like name brands that are like based yeah. off like white people because yeah. it shows like, hey, we have status, but then that money never comes back too. Mm-hmm. And guys, like this isn't no knock on like white people or other or like Jewish people or nothing like that. It's just like I'm just talking about like what I've been through, what mm-hmm. I see, and, and how it affects you, especially I'm, in your industry too. Yeah, like this isn't like my opinion. This is just what I've been through, my experience, and what mm-hmm. I've seen. Like if you, it's it's easy for people not to say like, "Yo, you're full of crap," or you, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. But they, if they like lived our childhood, if they see what we've seen they would 100% change their mind. Yep. Like no one talks about this because it's not a hot topic, but, and it's a controversial topic, but mm-hmm. I think that it's the topic we need to talk about the most. I feel like, like it gets a lot of backlash too. That's what I'm here for, bro. Like I'm here for all <laughs> like, of that. Like I'm not watching the NFL anymore. Cause it says end racism in the end zone. Like why would you not watch the NFL because of that? Yeah, I'm going That's to, some wild shit. I'm yeah, going to war with like the biggest brand in America, like the biggest brand in America. And like, everyone else to me is Disneyland compared to them, bro. Like after, after this one, it's like, who really, I'm, I'm fighting the final boss. Like this is like the final, like that's it. That's the final boss. (laughs) How's it feel knowing you're going against like the top dog? (laughs) <laughs> with, with nike i look i would think that I, i'd be around like 50 when that happened not 30 years old going against a billion dollar company 
And uh, yeah, bro, it's been a it's been a roller coaster ride of emotions for sure. And I'm one sure one week, one week I'm like hella pumped up, dude. We made like you know we're we're getting there. And then the next week something big happens. They're good, bro. They and think about this. They got 14 lawyers on my case. <laughs> I have two lawyers on my case. Mm. And they they probably have a whole department specifically oh, just man. for this too. Jeez, bro, they got like tens of millions just for this. Just for this case. So when you first found out they were going after you, what were like the feelings you went through? Like, how'd you feel? I remember it like it was yesterday because I got an email from Bloomberg Business, which is like huge. And I thought yeah. it was fake. They said, do you we're, we're about to release an article on you and your business. Do you want to make a comment on it? Uh, and I'm like, well, what's it about? They're like, well, Nike's suing you guys. I'm like, Nike's not suing like, me. I haven't fuck? been served. This is like. Yeah, this doesn't, this is totally fake. Mm -hmm. Then I call my business partner. He tells me like, no, bro, this shit's fake. But the email checked out. It was real. I Googled him. It was, it was real. And, uh, literally the next day, I don't even respond 24 hours past the next day. I go on Instagram. Every fucking news article blog is posting about drip creations and Nike suing customizers and so on. But you guys weren't even served yet at the time? We weren't even served till maybe a month and a half later. So the news knew before you knew. And this is fucking That's fucking wild. This is something that I learned that was really smart, bro, because Nike's so smart that they put out the narrative first before I even had a chance to respond. To respond, yeah. And you could tell, too, like I said, they're seasoned. They've been doing this, like, with those pigeon shoes that came out or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, they've been hitting everybody top to bottom. So it was uh, it was like very, very like emotional because I, I thought that we were going to lose our entire business overnight. Mm-hmm. And I've never been through a lawsuit like that. So my immediate thoughts were even if I know I didn't do nothing wrong, my immediate thoughts were the worst because this is Nike. They have all the money yeah. in the world. I thought my business was done. We're shutting everything down and so on. But yeah, it's been a process, bro. And I'm here to fight for it. Like fight for everything, basically. And you got the Yeezy attorney for this too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank That's God. a big that step a big right one. there too. How Did you, did you feel more like relieved? You're like, all right, yeah, this is who sure. Ye trust. Bro, I know I got this now. It like, was like night and day with, with these people. I mean, they, they definitely know what they've done. They've been to war with Nike like five, six different times in the last couple of years. They oh, already so knew. They go, two, yeah, they're already like they go golfing with each other at this point, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like all right, they're probably gonna settle for this. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is just take a couple more months. Yeah. So uh, it's been a, it's been a process, man. And uh, most people would fumble by now. It's been two years. We spent a lot of money, a lot, guys. We spent so much money on on this case, uh, just to fight for our lives. But I think that we're gonna win throughout. Yeah. It, like if we don't settle, we're definitely gonna win this. I'm fully confident. That's huge, bro. That's going to be, I mean, that's going to be so big, bro, because, um, well, obviously, you created a mega brand, dude, with that business. And um, kind of, we were talking a little earlier, man, like Nike is just, man, they just don't want to see people win, man. You know, there's just. It's a lot of big brands now, right? I mean, a lot of big brands, they see other people coming up. They want to own so much of the market, it seems like, where if any little guy's coming up and they're trying to make some noise, yeah, 100%. And so with you, bro, we talked about it before, too, with with drip creation that you had. It wasn't so much of like a small, like unorganized, just, person selling out of the garage you took it where it was like an actual infrastructure corporation you know what i mean so i think that was one of the main reasons why they went after you it seems like you know because you weren't just a small guy you were like really making waves they yeah i mean they definitely made like their point you know that we're on the radar and they're gonna take us serious uh even my attorneys have told me like 
yeah they're singling you guys out for sure like they're, they're going example basically that's the number one thing that they keep saying but um in my eyes like we honestly didn't do anything wrong like i don't see if if i i have a lamborghini out there i have an aventador if i change the color of it is lamborghini going to come knocking on my door saying hey you can't you can't do that because mm-hmm. that's the same thing with like customization you know it's called the first mm-hmm. sell doctrine the next thing is like if trademark infringement we we created our own shoe uh that was inspired by many different shoes but to them they feel like our shoe looks like exactly like theirs so mm-hmm. they called it a counterfeit replica or whatever but you're although, just customizing although it, right? although there's no nike branding on it but you look at bape I was gonna say, Bape has the same, like, there's even more. Yeah, they bro. still haven't hit Bape, huh? They just did. Like, recently, but After huh? 20 years. But bro, after 20, 20 years. I'm talking about this one, like, my, fa- my face, no, my MySpace profile had Bape in the back. Like, <laughs> bro, we're switching the colors every week. Yeah, like, I mean, Bape has been around for a minute, bro. That's 20 years. And you got uh, John Geiger, you have, um, which ended up selling with Nike. You have Louis Vuitton. If you go to yeah. Walmart, there's definitely, like, shoes there. You the Shacks. But they the go Shacks. for the little hella dogs. fakes, too. They go for the little dogs but they don't go for like the big dogs because Shaq probably stays like enough away though for like he's sure. like two patents away from like getting hit I mean Shaq too with <laughs> Jordan and you got YG with like Fo Honey like oh, copying right. the Cortez's yeah. mischief is like we're not even fucking around we're making these shit hella wavy we're gonna put some <laughs> blood up in that shit they got the same uh, attorneys as we do oh shit yeah, hey, I like mischief mich- be trying some doing. cool shit sometimes yep Damn, dude. And you know what? For context, I was thinking about it around. For context, so uh, uh, Frankie's company, uh, Drift Creations, right? So you could buy their customized uh, Air Force. Well, it used to be Air Force Ones. Uh, we could have all kind. Of, you know, he had a bunch of designs on the website. And uh, bland, the company really blew up. And at that point, Nike, like he was saying, you know, decided to take legal action. So um, that's, what he's refer- that's what he's referring to, you know, with uh, like the yeah. shoes, the, the babe shoes and all that stuff. So. Um, yeah, dude, that's fucking crazy. I forgot about Bape right now. I, when you were saying that, we were going through the look like something. Like, you know, I, I have a, I, we didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything wrong. No. And I, I mean that with the bottom of my heart. So, like, if this ends up going to trial, and I have a great feeling that we're going to win no matter what. In my mind, we're, we're like, we're not even going to go down that route. And yeah. so, obviously, that's one of the, um, that's one of the brands, big brand that you built. But I want to take it back to the, first brand right like feather so i know feather you started that was one of your first brands you started and I, to my understanding you kind of do some research you started feather in high school right when you were like 16 years old selling shirts out of your trunk right in high school yep. yeah man like when i'm like i said i i when i turned 14 that's when i fell in love with like clothing uh specifically streetwear and i started that journey of having that crazy idea where i can build this clothing brand and sell it all over the world uh, at this time, I'm inspired by Stussy, LRG, a co- couple of local brands like I'm King. Mm. And I'm just soaking up all of this culture, streetwear, from moving from one place to another place. Like, I'm going from Orange County, where all the Asian homies are at. Then I'm going to, like, Mobile, Nevada, where all, like, my black homies are. And then I come to Riverside. It's, like, Mexicans. And I'm just filled up with so many different types of cultures, going from rock music to hip-hop to underground hip-hop, tagging and gangsters and shit like that. So eventually, I just fell in love with culture in general. And clothing is where, like, it kind of summed up everything that i loved and this was the best way to express myself at the time and yeah man had that crazy idea of building a clothing empire never gave up on that dream i remember like my first batch of designs at like 
14, 15, I go to manufacturer with my pops and I tell them, I, I want to make these t-shirts. I like four or five different designs. And he said, cool, we can do that. It's going to be like four grand. And I, my dad had like probably like 400 bucks and, and he didn't, I don't even know if he had a bank account, bro, but <laughs> like 400 bucks. I had no money. That wasn't going to happen. So what we ended up doing was he looked at the concepts of a screen printing machine and we ended up building a screen printing machine made out of wood. Oh, it was that's like Hispanic culture, ghetto, bro. Wow, that's dope. Though. Most ghetto rig <laughs> I've, thing I've ever seen. But it worked though, right? But it worked. And that's we would have to literally, I have a picture. We would literally have to hold the screens down with the brick, the arms with the brick. And I would like squeegee these things. Um, yeah, man, that was what I did. Like while people were partying in high school and mm -hmm. going crazy, I was printing t-shirts and selling them all over different schools. Did you ever get any kickback, bro, from Hispanic parents? I mean, obviously, Hispanic parents usually were used to working with hands, you know, so getting a job or possibly going to school later, kind of getting on that path. Did you ever get any kickback going the route that you did? Nah, man. I think that for sure I didn't have the only support I've ever gotten were my parents. Like, that's like Damn. my parents weren't able to financially support me, but like like love, support, belief, like they got that for That's sure. what you need like, anyways, though. You know what I mean? More like, important, yeah. Sometimes it's not even about the money. It's like about that love, that support. And having it was more here. like they fueled my dream. You know, they were going to do everything they can. If they had the money for sure, they would have helped me. And they helped me in different ways. Like they drove me to certain places, to L.A. They drove me here. They drove me here. And, uh, yeah, they did everything they can with what they had. And that's like one of the main things when you first start. Like use what you have. Do what you can and don't make excuses like if you really want to make it happen then you shouldn't have anything like hold you back from making it happen everyone thinks because you have no money that you have no power mm. and Facts. there's a there's a time in your life where there like money will like be equivalent to power but at the very beginning you have nothing to lose you're already at rock bottom in a way <laughs> you're all you have, what what do you have you're at level lose? 1 you're at level 1 especially if you're young younger than 20 no armor. this is the time where you should be testing where you should be trying new things and figuring out who you want to be and eventually something's going to stick you're going to end up loving it and you don't you don't know what can happen you can become the next millionaire out of that tiny little city that tiny little bubble that you're from. But nobody like really gave me any hope or mentorship or love support other than my parents. Besides that, it was more of just me. Like I had a chip on my shoulder and I was going to do everything I can to make it happen. So little by little, I started taking over different schools. And I remember making like my first $400 in one month uh, when I was like 16. And I realized, wow, this is real. Like I'm selling $15 t-shirts. I'm making them for like $3. This is actually real. Started building a street team, taking uh, schools over one by one. And I always had these like amazing ideas. I just didn't have the money to make it happen. And it, yeah, so that was like the journey. That's where it started. It was basically high school, falling in love with uh, clothing. That's crazy though, bro. Cause you're in high school. You're probably 16, 15 years old and you're having like a street team, bro. Like you're building an employee base in high school, yeah. which is unheard of. No one does that. Dude, I was like doing fashion shows in like clubs, 21 and over clubs. <laughs> when I was 16 lit, years old, they were sneaking me through the kitchen, through the back. That's so sick. Yeah, there was like a company called Mix Armada. They loved me, man. Like they were just, helping no, out. we got models. Good. We're in the fashion industry. Like come do the runway. And I was just like, you know, putting together yeah. runways for, 
these way older people than I was, bro. And I had a fat ex and wristbands to like make sure I didn't drink or do <laughs> yeah. anything. <laughs> to make sure, don't give them alcohol. Yeah, bro. It was, it was funny, man. And I met like really dope people. I just can't believe that I'm 16 years old and I'm meeting like Far East Movement. I don't, I don't know if you guys heard the song like Like a G6. Like a G6. Bro, yeah. oh my God. There's LMFAO. Like, meeting them. Who else did we meet? I mean, I was meeting all these different like up and coming artists yeah. at the time Bruno Boy, Mars at the Bruno very beginning oh. and I'm oh, right before he, yeah bro, I'm 16 17 years old meeting these people and yeah like That's talk cool. about product placement and influencer marketing at such a young age yeah what Just the going back, fuck I've seen um you posted pictures too there was like a little Dirk was wearing your brand too right yeah, a couple yeah. other artists on there yeah yeah That's I crazy. mean a lot of people have worn my brands over the years for sure mm -hmm. but at that time it was specifically special because I'm like no one. I'm this young kid. Don't even know what I'm really doing. I'm just making it happen. And I'm kind of like bursting little like bubbles and just like one check check off at a time, you know, just like figuring it out on the way. Testing huh? waters. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the, the biggest change that happened um, was definitely tuned in Tokyo. After after uh, high school, I went on and started building Feather and then tuned in Tokyo came right after and uh that's like how life is normally there you go through different chapters in your life and you outgrow everyone thinks like oh i'm 16 years old this is what i'm going to do this specific brand this specific thing this is what i'm going to be known for for the rest of my life and you have all of this emotional attachment to the business and eventually you start to think that you are your business and that's a that's the wrong mentality mm. to have what does that mean bro can you explain that a little bit so in like 2017 or 18, I started realizing there was a, this person that told me his name's Bill Lopez, like shout out to him. He told me, he's like, Frank, you are one of like the like smartest persons that I know. And, and like, why, why are you doing certain things this way when you should be doing things like the other way? Every time you go through a, a big problem, every time you go through a hardship in life, I can see it in your face. I can feel it. I, I, I feel your energy and it takes you down. And he told me your business is as big as you are. That's like the number one thing that anyone's ever told me. I might even get excited because I love it. And well, I didn't understand what that meant till like maybe a year later. And basically it's a, um, disconnecting yourself, you yourself from your businesses because going back to what i said earlier when you're young you think that this business is you for the rest of your life just like your first girlfriend mm. i'm gonna marry her like this we're gonna Damn. be together for the rest of our <laughs> lives you have so much emotional <laughs> attachment to it and everyone thinks that like the same for their businesses so when your business does good you feel great when your business does bad you feel like shit mm. and it should be the complete opposite because your business isn't you you're you you are yourself and uh like jay-z says something he says i'm not a businessman i am the businessman mm. so that's what clicked i was like oh i'm the business not my brands not my businesses i am the fucking guy mm -hmm. And the bigger I get, the smarter I get, the more wise I get, mm -hmm. my businesses will follow me instead of it being the other way around. And everything changed after that. That's when I started really devoting my life to me and becoming the smarter person that I can. And eventually, like, that's when we started making our millions, man. Millions and millions of dollars. Fuck, dude. That, I think you just dropped a big old bomb, dude. Because even no matter what, like no matter what point you are, like in your business, your business journey or entrepreneurship journey, and or even like if you work for a company, you know, 
Um, what you said right there, man, that the more you invest in yourself, uh, the more you kind of focus on you and you devi- like you spend that energy and that money on yourself, um, the quicker that you're going to see the results come out. Like you, you'll see bigger fruits of your labor uh, doing that, dude. So that's that's pretty money, man, because uh, that's one of the things that I wish I would have learned earlier, to be honest with you, because um, it took a while for me to, to realize that like you have to invest in yourself. You have to learn your uh, you have to you have to learn more shit. Right. Because the information that you've already learned up to that point in your life is what has gotten you the results you got in your life. So if you want to fucking do new shit, like you got to get new information into your fucking mm-hmm. system. Yeah, you know? bro. Like you're, you're not your business and you're not yeah. your car. You're not your house. You're yeah. not materialistic possessions. You're none of that. Mm-hmm. What you are is you're a memory card mm-hmm. of information. Mm-hmm. That's what I am. I am a memory card, a storage of information. So you could take everything away from me. I'm still me, bro. Like mm. I'm still this smart. I still have went through all of my experiences. I could literally build something again from the ground up in the same position that I was when I first started with no money because it. I have that information. Knowledge is power. Yeah. And that's like, people need to understand that, that knowledge is literally power. It's not the money. It's not the cars. It's not what house you live in. There will always be a bigger house. There will always be a nicer car. Every year there's a new iPhone. There's a new Tesla. Mm-hmm. There's a new everything. So start thinking about putting more money and reinvesting in yourself mm-hmm. rather than like, your businesses are materialistic possessions. It's like J. Cole love yours. Since we're going back Pretty to Pretty much, bro. That's literally what it reminds me of. <laughs> yeah. But I think another thing, too, because you're talking about knowledge, is like some people know a lot, but they don't execute or they don't utilize that information that they have. You know what I mean? Where it's like, everybody's like, oh, if you knew better, you'd do better. I feel like a lot of people, like, they have it, they get scared, and then they don't take action. You know what I mean? Like, how, like, where was it at for you where you feel like you just knew you had to take the action, keep it going, never look back? Like, do you feel like that kind of kept you up with that a little bit? There was only one time where I felt like quitting or not quitting, but asking myself, am I really going to make it? And that was in Buena Park in the hood, warming up the shower, because if you live in the hood, you got to wait like five minutes before Mm. the water gets warm. And I'm, I'm in there waiting. And I, and I remember like for those five minutes asking myself, am I really going to make it? Like am I delusional? Like we're talking about a clothing brand here. Can I actually make it with clothing brand? Everybody and their mama wants to start a clothing brand. And uh, yeah, then I just told myself I am. And that's it. Like I'm going to make it. So it's more of like the belief in yourself for sure. And I don't know, you just have to be devoted. A lot of people quit after three months, after six months, after one year. Like I didn't, I started my journey in 2007, 2008. I didn't make my first million till 2015. Mm. So that's the problem with people. They think that you can just overnight success that that that's here and there. Maybe 1% out of everyone gets that lucky, but I'm telling you guys right now, if you want this, you're going to have to dedicate the rest of your life to it. Like how, how do you expect anything less? People quit after two years. You're telling me you want to do this shit for the rest of your life and you're going to only give it two years, two years. And this is another thing. Just because you quit on your business doesn't mean you quit. The business, maybe it wasn't, there's things that happen. The time has to do a lot with it. The economy has to do with it. Um, it is what it is. Well, it's maybe you gotta a lose product a limb of the too, past. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you got to amputate. It might not things. be your first business. It might not be your fourth. It might not be your seventh. Eventually you're going to like, you know, struck gold and it's going to happen. And that's the thing. It's like, don't quit on yourself. You can't quit on your business, but don't quit on yourself. Mm. How do you know? How do you know that, bro? Like, so for example, 
obviously there's someone out here watching at home. Maybe they're in a business. They're not making a lot of money. How do they know the balance between, okay, this is the wrong business. Maybe I should go to a different industry or, or a different opportunity. Like the next one's waiting for me up ahead opposed to damn, like am I just being too soft to myself and I'm just quitting too soon. This is where like my fellow white brothers are good at, man. They're good at stra- <laughs> this, they're good at strategizing and organization for sure, bro. They they definitely think outside of the box. And I picked up after hanging out with them for so long, I, I picked up a few things like in the last five six years. But definitely like um, basically they're really good at organization and replacing themselves, and and that's amazing. Like to me, that's really good because like as first generation Americans, we're always like in it to win it. We're in the trenches. Mm-hmm. We don't end up replacing ourselves. And I think that the number one thing that we can take away from other different people and and like high level people is that is your time is everything. Your mm-hmm. time your time is more than just money. Your time is life. And if we continue to go down this path where we're just going in a like roller coaster ride or a rat race, then we're going to end up in the same positions mm-hmm. over and over again. So you have to figure out a way to like replace yourself. Once you replace yourself, you start delegating certain like tasks and actions. And you it's basically called human optimization is making the most of your day and your time. So we got to step back. We got to write everything out all the like goals, a checklist of everything. And then you got to figure out a way to do everything at once. And that's the thing about like other high level people. We're literally doing everything we can to maximize our time. Mm -hmm. I'm always talking about this too. If you learn three things, you will never be broke. One, if you learn how to make other people money, business organizations you'll never go broke the second thing is you if you learn how to save them money and then then you'll never go broke the third thing is if you learn how to save them time that's the most valuable possessions Mm -hmm. everyone thinks that uber was successful because they transcended the taxi business they became the virtual taxi you can order a taxi from like you know snap of a finger basically but what uber's success was from was convenience it was time I don't want to go out to the street. I don't want to call anyone. I don't want to have to force a a person to come and pick me up. It was about convenience and time. So those are the things that I feel like can really make a huge difference with people making money today and optimizing their time. I feel like a lot of people that open businesses, but then like they'll put themselves to work. You know what I mean? And they'll do it for years instead of like creating a creating a business and then having somebody else run it over time so i just think about like it's type time versus money like is it really worth my time for like this amount of money you know what i mean yeah bro and and like going back to your your question i think that when you know it's time to quit it's it's not you're not quitting on that specific business you're just quitting on like maybe a certain project in that business mm-hmm. and like is when you when you understand what I just said about optimizing your time, you're gonna realize that you can either do A or B or C, and which one's gonna make the most money, and you'll end up deciding there and then. For instance, with Tuned in Tokyo, we put in a lot of work into the business. I mean, I'm talking about we did over a hundred different vlogs after we like ran our business. Um, we threw events, in-person events, where we had like more than five thousand people pay to attend. We literally built one of the largest, biggest communities in the car industry uh, for that brand. Then, and at this time, maybe 2018, 2019, we're doing anywhere from like five to six million a year in sales. I create drip creations, same business model. 
same amount of work, actually probably less work. What changed was the customers and the product. And we did 4.5 million our first year while running Tune in Tokyo. So here I am thinking, dude, I just put in five years, like four years at this time of hard work and I build a new brand in a different industry with the different demographics and I made what we made and like, you know, we put in so much time to do 5 million Mm -hmm. a year and I just did that in one year. So it's about your time, optimizing your time. And I just dedicated more time to drip there and then. I was like, oh, if we did 5 million this year, I can for sure do 15, 20, 30 million a year if I just focus more of my time on that. So it's about optimizing your time. So, so you would say that the biggest lesson you learned from, I mean, grinding out the five years, you know, with uh, Tune in Tokyo and then the one year with Drips, the, the biggest lesson there for you was the time thing? Or do you think that there was another couple of lessons that you learned? Because I know you talk a lot about, which I think is really interesting. Um, you talk a lot about like whenever you go into a business, right, you pick something that um, like it's underserved, like underserved community. You know, so a lot of people, especially in e-com and all that stuff, they focus on like, finding like the winning product, but you kind of reverse that. Like you reverse engineer, then you find like the perfect customer first. When did you learn that lesson? Was it with Tune in Tokyo or when you shifted over and you're like, oh shit, uh, with Drip Suit, I'm different customer. I'm making a shit ton of my money and it's a lot easier. Or did you already kind of know that going in? Yeah, like I, I build, I used to, when before marketing, before I got heavily like invested into marketing, I used to just focus on branding. That's mm-hmm. what it was. Like when I, I grew up on branding, mm-hmm. you got the hundreds, diamond, all these different brands where it was all about branding. So I did all the hard work first and then I realized the easier side, the e-com side mm-hmm. later. That was like 2016, 17. Um, I think that that came with learning about branding knowing your customer, identifying your demographics. And the problem with one of my first clothing brands before Tuned in Tokyo with Feather was I couldn't identify who my customer was. It was Mm. way too diverse. It was both men, women, skateboarders, surfers, snowboarders. Everyone was rocking my shit. And that was the problem. I couldn't identify who exactly was my customer. And so with Tuned in Tokyo, I knew exactly who it was. They are male. They live in the suburbs and different like cities that aren't really where they can't afford exotic cars or German cars. Um, They are from the ages of 18 to 35 years old. I knew exactly how to find them with like Facebook interests because they all love Fast and the Furious. They love cars, Supras, whatever. Mm -hmm. I knew how to target my customers. With Feather, I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. So I learned those things that that's one of the most important things if you're trying to start a clothing brand. It's not your logo. It's not your name. It's your customer. You need to continuously make products for your customer and build your brand around your customers because you're not your own customers. You can't get high on your own supply. That's probably like the main reason why I didn't wear my own products for a long time. I went like five, six years without wearing any single one of my brands for the longest time because I didn't make anything for me. Mm-hmm. I made it for my customers. And I wanted it to be like when they saw an ad, when they saw a video, there's no deniability of them ever like not wanting to buy that mm-hmm. product because they are obsessed with those. I made it for them. If I made it for you, bro, like think about all the things that you love. If I made a product specifically just for you, the only reason you're not going to buy it there and then is probably because you don't have the money, you're waiting, whatever. Everyone's situation is different. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing. I don't have to aggressively like convince my customers to buy any of my products. They either have the money to buy it or they're going to have to wait eventually. But, yeah. Damn. 
do you draw some of like your like creativeness from? Is there any designers that you look up to? Or that really sparked your interest in the fashion industry? Kanye is like literally my number one inspiration. Jonas Bavecua, rest in peace, from like LRG. He's definitely like my second. Um, then there's other people that have inspired me. Like even recently with my new venture, it's definitely been like Mike Amiri. Uh, just tapping into like Amiri and the way he's built a brand and competing against the Louis Vuittons, mm-hmm. the Gucci's, mm-hmm. and all of these like mega, mega designer brands. He popped off in 2016 and the creative direction that he's gone. Like these are the people that inspire me. They're not necessarily designers. Okay. They're more of creative directors. Gotcha. That makes sense. Those ones putting in the work anyways, huh? Yeah. And like creative direction, that's like, okay, going back to like business itself, especially in clothing, but this involves with everyone. Even like if you're running a podcast, there should be four roles in every single business right out, right from the jump. Eventually, you can add more, but right from the start. And these four roles aren't broken down into four different people. They can be broken down into two. But the first one is obviously the CEO. Um, And everyone thinks, like, I'm the CEO, I'm the badass, you know. But a CEO is just literally, like, the visionary, the kind of, like, the unspoken leader of the business. They don't have more power or their role isn't more powerful than any other role. It's just they are the ones that, like, everyone needs to kind of just, like, follow in a way. The face, basically. Yeah, the face. If they want to be the face. Um, Which is, normally, they're the visionary. They're the ones Mm -hmm. that thought about the idea of this business, so they get that sweat equity, that that factor, that X factor. Mm -hmm. Um, The second one is a CMO. So the CMO, without the CMO, without a marketer or a person in charge of marketing, you could have the coolest products in the world. No one will ever see it. They'll die on the ground. So I, I, I I have that happen all the time where... I, I've gotten so much, like I've come across some badass brands. Mm-hmm. No one knows about them. They end up dying in the ground. There's also been like other brands, other instances where I see a really, really dope brand. And I'm so high level, so fast paced when it comes to marketing mm-hmm. that I can take their ideas, swallow them up and they can't do nothing about it. No one saw you. No one Damn, like, just Nike them. Pretty nope. much. <laughs> pretty. That's the irony. The fucking yeah. irony. Like, you need to be careful with marketers that are really great because if they see your products and they'll come in quick, come, huh? we'll come in, we'll take your shit, and we'll be the first ones to launch it. Mm. Although you had it two years ago, your 40, 50 person armies aren't really going to yeah. stop us. Yeah. Um, the third one is COO. So it's the person that's like in charge of operations, the like managing the team, making sure payroll, HR, and all your fulfillment is happening, basically getting your orders from A to B uh, mm. fulfillment. The fourth one, and this is the one that everyone forgets, is a creative director. There has to be a creative director in every single business. I don't care what business you're in. CFO could wait later. You're not even making money right now, so you don't need to worry about finances. The C- the creative director is the reason why you're going to stand out. This is the person that comes up with the brand identity, the products, the collections, and so on. So every single business that I have has a creative director, has always had a creative director since the start. That's like your ace right do- there, huh? Yeah. That's like the main. Yep. That's, well, what, what's the, the difference, bro, between the um, that position and the, the, the marketing position? The creative direction? Mm-hmm. They're only involved in like... Um, the, the look of it, yeah. what you're selling and the look of it. 
You don't mm. have to worry about building products. You don't have to worry about what you're going to sell. They're the ones doing it. Was For that instance, Virgil? That was Virgil, right? Yeah, Basically, so he's with, a creative director. Dude, he's in crazy. charge of the collections being made, the overall look the of the season, of the it, business the style, so on, the branding of it. He's not in charge of marketing. There's somebody else that's going to get it in front of people. That's all marketing mm. is. Put that shit on billboards. Yep. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's the secret sauce. There's a lot of creative directors out there that don't know anything about marketing or running a business and this is why they fail mm. they continue to fail because of that so the you gotta have shit too. yeah and like i've worn all the hats before so i know how to do all four roles and how so to know what to look for too when that's you're what for makes it. someone like me kind of like like really dangerous like if i ever come across a person like me i get fucking intimidated right away because they've done every single thing like every person that works for me they love me but they're also scared of me because I always tell them, if you can't do it, then I'm going to do it. So their number one goal is to compete with me. All my employees, especially my right-hand man, Kareem the Dream, that's what I call him. Kareem. His number one goal <laughs> is to beat me at everything that I do. So that's their number one goal. And I always told them from the start, every graphic designer that works for me, videographer, they know if, I, if they can't do it, that I'm going to do it. And they need to do it better than me. Because I want to get this shit done them. regardless. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to get it done regardless, with or without you. So uh, that's the beauty about wearing all the hats within mm. the business because at the beginning, you have no choice. You have to be the graphic designer. You have to be the <laughs> photographer. You have to do it all. And that's what I love about that. So if you're in the trenches right now doing it all, respect that because one day when you hire people, they're going to try to walk all over you. And now you know how to do their role. You know what's possible. Mm -hmm. You know the lingo. You know the language. That's huge, bro. Do you think that's necessary, though? Like, do you think it's that? Well, I, I mean, when you're building it up, I feel like sometimes you hear some people um, like uh, there are really some friends, right, where they're trying to delegate too quickly, but they haven't really done shit. Do you think that's like a feasible approach or because uh, for us, I mean, when we when we started, then we, I mean, to this day, we still wear a lot of the hats and just you saying that like it was a lot of game like that we're going to take back into our personal uh, in our personal business. But um, what do you think about that, bro? Like, is it feasible to, like, dish out and delegate right away? Or should a person experience wearing all the hats? It's opportunity costs, like what I talked about mm -hmm. earlier, uh, human optimization. I can mow my lawn and, I, like, I can mow my lawn. It's going to take me mm -hmm. three hours, maybe four hours. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to do a terrible job. Or I can Outsource hire someone. Shit. Or I can hire someone yeah. to do it within, like, an hour or two and pay them 150 or 200 dollars a month that's probably how mm -hmm. much we pay i don't know but that's how much i pay and my three four hours of my time is not yeah, worth 200 dollars. so 100%. it's about opportunity cost yeah. this is where you got to step back and figure out what is going to make the most of your time you only live once mm. so every single minute every single second should be dedicated into what's going to bring you the highest roi do you plan out your whole day i used to i used to be fucking very like you did eat that shit huh crazy. all right 505 wake and up all it all it did shower. all it did was give me like crazy fuck. anxiety that's how i feel like fuck i'm like five minutes behind i would fuck. go through the entire day and i wouldn't even know what i did because i was already worrying about the next thing the but next people thing. say that bro so you talked about watching motivational videos online there's motivational videos everywhere that say like if you don't know what every single second of your day you know you're doing you're doing it wrong so bro, what's no your no one's doing that shit they can they're say getting fucking views what they're doing talk man but they don't do <laughs> none agree. of that man they don't fucking wake up at 3 a.m every day like maybe they do it twice <laughs> a week bro like shit happens life happens like this is where i don't believe any of it um the truth is that at the end of the day mm. 
it's all about getting that, like you making a list and checking off that list. What's really mm. going to move the needle forward. So that's what I do. I use like Trello. It's a project management board where I write down every single one of my checklists. Those checklists like are in correlation with my schedule. And as long as I check everything off that day, I don't care how long it takes, where it happens. As long as it gets done, it mm. gets done. Doesn't that's like, what moves the needle forward. It doesn't so. even gotta be pretty, huh? Get the nah, job done. I just wanna that's all I care about is yeah. results. Do you want it to be fancy, ugly? Entrepreneurship is messy, bro. It's Fucking dirty. Nice. Everyone like tries to keep everything night like clean, but it, it's never gonna go down that way, bro. Things are gonna happen, problems are mm. gonna occur that are out of your control. So the best thing for you to do is just try to figure out what is going to write down. Every single day, what is going to make me the most out of my time today and tomorrow and the next day? And you do it day by day. You don't plan out the whole entire week. You can schedule certain meetings, stuff like that. But the checklist, the things that are going to make daily. you. Yeah, those are daily. Those are done on a daily basis. One of the things I want to bring up too, bro, we're, we're kind of laughing about on the way here is that Obviously, there's someone here on the podcast, like a, the guest that, or the podcast host is just like a meathead, bro. Like there's someone sitting here. I don't want to say who it is. It's like a meathead. You know what I mean? I wouldn't know but who. like you talked about um, one time you mentioned about how fitness, when people are working out doing fitness, you're out working them, bro. Like when they're lifting weights in the gym, doing their thing, you're out working them. Can you explain <laughs> that, bro? And how does that work for you? So like people took that way too literal. Oh, but, really? That's what was said, huh? That's what was said, huh? They took that <laughs> On too the spot now. It took that little. But no, look. So like my whole thing was by any means necessary. Yeah. So I understood that I was young. I was young and I can fucking eat the shittiest food ever and I would probably survive it. So I'm going to do everything. Top ramen, sandwiches, live, like oh, the college car, days, doing Fuck. everything possible to save money so I can feed it into my business. Every single second of my time has to go into my business. So when I say by any means necessary, I truly mean it. And this means I wasn't disciplined on my health. I didn't care about my health. I was willing to die for this. Die for it. I was willing to get liver cancer, cancer, all types of diseases, everything. Bro, knock on that goddamn wood like, right now. I was willing. <laughs> knock on that wood. Jesus Christ. I said I was. Was. I said I was. Let's underline no was. I am not that down. I anymore. was willing to do everything to make this happen. I did not care about me. It was more about doing it for my family. I was willing to sacrifice myself for everything. There's something about being in that mindset, too. I feel like as soon as you get in that mindset, like – everything kind of unlocks because i feel like when people kind of have like like uh gas a little bit of break gas a little yeah. bit of break you don't like you don't get past that threshold so you kind of have to have that mindset and in his defense too earlier right now when we first got on here he did say he was going to start paying attention to his health more he did say that no so, so that yeah. leads to later so that was for sure and i think that <laughs> you need to like bro look at jeff bezos he looked like crap look at elon musk they all look like crap because they gave, they devoted their entire yeah. lives to their business elon's fighting and now, making though. now it's the complete opposite once you get your money once you get everything situated you have a good team you start delegating everything you can start paying attention to your health so that's the stage that i'm at i've already put in the 15 years of my life I now delegate it's like, now now it's time to start looking at like 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 him bro i want to look like <laughs> him in two years bro I press fucking, now, fuck. well, yeah bro like yeah. 
I'm taking my health a lot serious, more serious. I'm eating a lot healthier. I'm not working out every single day. It's, I think it's going to happen eventually. It doesn't either. And it should be, and it should be a priority for sure because everyone's going to say in the comments, like, well, what's the whole point of you making all this money if you're going (laughs) to die? I wasn't doing it for myself. I was doing it to help my parents out. It was bigger than my future kids out. It was a sacrifice. I was literally going to sacrifice my life for Mm. this. And that's the that's the truth behind that. Now, okay, I made it out. I made it out. I'm eating some salads now, out. boy. Now I'm gonna take some. It's a little jobs. different, bro. Like now, now they got a- the organic juice. <laughs> so people took that that clip way too serious, and they didn't see the context. But yeah, bro, it is what it is. Like if you're not willing to give it all up, yeah. then you may or may not make it. Because while you're at the gym, I'm working. While you're Doing this, I'm working. Hey, I'll be on that stairmaster, bro, <laughs> working on ads and shit. Don't knock me. I'm still working on so the there's a way. Too. Yeah. I'm doing wearing all those hats in there as I'm doing it. I'm doing it too. I mean, right. we're talking about I'm sleeping maybe three, four hours a day. So while you're asleep, I'm working. Why I oh, I for a long time I didn't have like I couldn't be in a relationship. Bro, I was that's to real. Give up relationships. So while you're on dates, I'm working. Like, <laughs> bro, I was doing everything possible. I was willing to give it all up, and I did. I did give it all up. Eventually, though, now like you finally start to get everything like that you ever wanted. You start to achieve goals, and now it's more about okay. Well, I did it. Now let's start taking care of myself. Enjoy so that's You already did the, pl- the work hard. Bro, but it, hard. it's true, though, because, like, especially in, in business, we've seen it the past couple of years where there's people that come and go, and I feel like you see it a lot where people are like, I have a date, right? Or I'm not willing to give up my sleep. Or like, ah, oh, I was late to work today because I was like, I had to sleep in a little extra. You know, I had a long night last night. When in reality, you got guys like you, like dogs in the industry, you're like, bro, I don't need fucking sleep. Don't like miss I, that fucking Whatever sleep. it is, yeah. I'm going to get it done by any means necessary. And that's kind of why I feel like you have your results you have. And, there's other people that have like semi-okay results where they think they're doing good, but bro, I mean, we're in your house and they can't see your full house, but beautiful house, beautiful neighborhood. Yeah, thank you. you give back to your family, bro. And I've heard uh, one of the biggest things that I heard too, bro, that really kind of hit me is you retired your parents and you did some special things for them too, right? Bro, I've done so much for the fam. Like, God, I've done a lot, man. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's something that I can be for sure proud of. Now, I don't think that it's made... My family is a mess, man. Like everyone watches like the Kardashians, you know. My family is a freaking mess. So Hispanic families, that's what it is. God damn. But I, I've done so much, man. I've I've given them hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to take care of them. Uh, my mom, she like prior to like this house, my, I've always moved in my mom for a certain period of time. She didn't have to pay rent. She didn't have to pay anything. She didn't even have to work, man, for the longest time because she was going through a lot of uh, situations with like um, court and she actually got like almost deported. We just like won that recently. I think this year we just run that. So she was going through court and like trial to basically stay in America. Uh, She was like held in Adelanto detention center. So I, I had her live with me for quite some time. My sisters too. And yeah, man, I've taken care of them. They didn't have to pay for anything for years, bro. So I took care of like them. I retired my wife. She hasn't worked since 2020. Um, so I've, I've always done the most, man. I bought them cars. I bought my dad cars. They don't have to worry about pretty much nothing. And the best thing that I ever did, though, is I gave my siblings opportunities to learn and to grow. So now they're all making their own money. Like my sister, uh, she was the co-founder of Drip. Mm-hmm. She's like, I mean, yeah. This story is crazy, though, but I want to stay on this because you said, like, I heard the, the story a little bit about how you went in the room, right? And you checked on her. You really never checked on it too much. And share with everyone at home, bro, the number that 
Like when you finally checked on Man. the number of revenue she was at. So going back to I'm working 24-7 while you're sleeping and on dates and working out. I'm 24-7 all day, every day. So I wouldn't, I didn't even notice what my younger sister was doing, but I had a casita, which is like a little like house or something. Like that's connected to the house. And she's in there customizing sneakers, uh, fans. And I don't know what she was really doing. I just know she was selling stuff on mm-hmm. Etsy, clothes or shoes, whatever. One day I come home and I see like this entire room filled with van shoes. I'm talking about maybe 50 60 pairs in a tiny little room bro. he's like what the fuck this looks like a <laughs> and i'm just like what is going on? journeys over I here mean, think about this i thought she was selling like a couple orders a week she's crushing it so i look at her etsy and she's doing like eighty thousand or whatever god damn and she's 18 19 yeah. light bulb goes off in my head because me and my business partner were talking about how we should start a shoe company we've already done the hats the t-shirts the hoodies we need to do something with like footwear because the price points were there light bulb goes off i see the van shoes and i tell my younger sister i literally say this you guys could ask her she's i said welcome to the majors and that's when we built drip so we took her idea her concept and built a brand around it which is cool too because i feel like getting in the shoe industry it's like fuck now you got to come up with like shoe designs that people want and you guys mitigated past all that, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like, Eileen was the creative director of Drip. So she came up with all the ideas, the, the products, the design. So it's, like I said, going back, you need a creative director, especially if you have a clothing brand. And uh, she played a big part in, in our success, for sure, in the giving us the idea. So, uh, yeah, I gave her the opportunity of Drip. Uh, my younger brother, I couldn't replace myself. I was going from, like, agency to agency person to person trying to run um our ads for our businesses and eventually my younger brother took over took him under my wing and now he's running like he's all a prodigy he's a yeah. facebook ass prodigy pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. Cool, he's man. a little facebook god yeah <laughs> damn but you know that's such a cool story bro because i feel like it kind of like we were talking about earlier bro you come from our background or like a latino background you know immigrant background um any type of background dude where your parents struggled or you didn't really grow up the best uh the thing that you always hope for right like you always see your parents like you know like i see my mom dude she was working packing houses and shit she comes home dead tired working the night shift uh, i'm still a single mom and you see them and you're like fuck dude like i want to take care of you you know and i think it's so cool bro the way you've done it because you didn't just like fully take care of them but um your family you also kind of included them and it's like you m- help them make their own money which it's like i, I think it's kind of like the whole saying you know teach a man how to fish he was going to go hungry yeah. again but if you teach the man or the woman in this case you know how to be a fisherman you know they're never going to go hungry bro yep. so that knowledge you took bro from all the sacrifice and all that shit bro to be able to pass it down and build really you're building an empire you know like it all fucking empire is being built right now so yeah um that's that's fucking amazing dude um that's that's kind of like my dream to be it's honest just with different you. though bro because it doesn't matter if one person's rich and they're rich at the top, right? Mm-hmm. If all their friends, all their family is still at the bottom and they're driving Lambos and stuff like that, right? But you took it a step further, like Danny was saying, and it's not just you at the top, bro. You brought your family with you, you gave them opportunities, and it's different, bro, like when you hear about it. Bro, I'm always doing everything I can to, like, give back. Like, even I threw an event two weeks mm-hmm. two weeks ago, maybe one week ago, where I spent four, almost $14,000. Total that weekend, I spent thirty grand because I went to the club. The but if I didn't go on. to the club... Because <laughs> I went four, to the club. It, it would have been a $14,000 weekend. They're doing the math at home right there. Like, okay, fourteen grand for the event. Like, where the fuck is the, the club? <laughs> the club. But I, I threw that event. I invited 
like every like i invited a lot of people and it was 100 free i covered mm. the open bar i covered the venue the security everything bro like all the alcohol was covered by me mm -hmm. i didn't care what you did how cool you are how popular you are you're invited you got a chance to meet not only me but you got a chance to meet like all these other people that are in the industry and i do that i've done that three times this mm -hmm. year and just for like the love of giving back i didn't have to do it mm -hmm. nobody asked me to help but it's so dope bro because like i said i go to these other places and there is no culture mm -hmm. when you go to my events you see people that look like us bro mm -hmm. that's all you see it's a mix of every single color every single race and that's like the beauty of it so like mm -hmm. don't just get up and make it in life like you know take people with you yeah. and i think that that's like one of the greatest achievements that i've done is take care of my family for sure but at the same time teach them how to get it on their own that's important i think that's, like you said that's the most important part too a part of picking your family bro because i know you're giving them opportunities but obviously one of the biggest things too is having a partner and family right so like your sister she was technically your partner in in, in the in the company bro so with that how do you go about picking your partners and how do you spot the good ones from the bad ones I think that it's like you got to find your opposites. So you got to be self-aware of what you're good at and what you're not good at. I am not the best team leader, uh, manager. I, 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 I'm like kind of a lone wolf. I like to do things like every single day is a new day for me. I don't like to, I don't, and nothing is repetitive to me. If you guys work with me, you guys would see like one day today I'm here and then tomorrow I want to decide to go to Cabo. I'm out. I'm going to Cabo. I'm going, Let's go to Cabo. I'm going to Canada. <laughs> I'm going here. Like my, my team can't keep up with me. I, I can't be an organizer. I can't be a manager like that. So I find people that are those, those things that I'm not good at. So for instance, with Eileen, she was a creative director. I could be a creative director, but I'm better at marketing than anything. That's my number one role. I'm extremely good at marketing. So I think that for every single business, I'm always going to provide that part of it. But I need a CEO. I don't mm. want to be the CEO. I don't want to manage the team. I don't want to deal with lawyers and legal and all this other crap. I want somebody else to deal with that. So just find someone that's the complete opposite, opposite of you that's honest. You got to find someone that doesn't have baggage, that's, one, that's honest. Honesty is a big thing, bro, because a lot of people lie. They hide money. They have bad intentions. And I think that you just got to find the, a really truthful, respectful person. That's the opposite of you with your skill sets. That's how you're going to find a great partner. And I'm sure, bro, anyone that comes on board with you, it seems like just from hearing how the way you talk about it is like they, they really get not only a boss or not only like a partner, but they get a mentor as well, you know, and in your space, probably feel like in an entrepreneurship, it's super important to have a mentor to show you the ropes. I know you dropped a couple of them before um, you were talking, but has there been anyone in particular that's mentored you along your way up where you at right now? Um, just one person, which is Bill. Other than Bill Lopez, no one has ever, like, I never had a mentor or nothing. Recently, like, I, I've gotten to the point where, like, a lot of people are my friends now in the industry that are a lot smarter than me, so that's cool. Um, but as far as on the come up, no, I really had no mentors other than this one person that told mm -hmm. me something that's gonna ch that's changed my life forever. That's sick, though, bro, because I feel like a lot of times in entrepreneurship, people want 10 or 15 different mentors. I know it's important to have one, but you can get too caught up on... I mean, we did a little bit. Whenever we first started, we were like, there was 20 different programs, right? And we wanted to buy 20 different courses and buy 20 different master programs because we're like... You know, we're just we gotta to fucking learn. Yeah. We, we gotta, gotta fucking learn everything. Yeah. <laughs> gotta learn it all. Exactly. Um, yeah, with like mentors, I think that you just gotta find someone that has the life that you want, the same morals, the same everything that you want. Like 
that's who you want to be. That's you love this person. You want to like, you know, you basically want to mimic your life to or mirror their life to be like yours. And I think that that's what you look for in a mentor. So um, to me right now, I think that I don't I don't know, man, like as far as mentors, I don't think I've I've grown up so like self-efficient that I don't even know what a mentor is to me. Mm -hmm. I haven't really had. And I feel like I've been through so much in life that I can't. I don't know. I'm willing to learn from anyone for sure. I just, I don't know. I, as far as like looking up to anyone, it's definitely going to just be my parents. That's mm. it. No, Damn, that's wrong. Go ahead. Yeah. And I was going to say that's, it's unique, bro, because not having a mentor and then transitioning to now, fast forward into now, you have brand mentor, brand mentor where you mentor other people. Right? Can you tell us a little bit about that and um, how people at home can find you there? Well, everyone's always asked me like how to build a clothing brand. Like I've been doing this for a long time. So the number one question in my DM is, can you help me with my clothing brand? That's been like the number one DM that I've always had. So I wanted to come up with the way where I can like help that or help the community out and make it affordable. So like when I first started Brand Mentor, all most of my friends that have a lot of money in the coaching space would probably charge ten, fifteen thousand for this. I wanted to make it a hundred dollars so that everyone mm. can afford it. Not just the rich of the rich, not just the best of the best. If you're a beginner, if you're stuck in a basement, like yes, you, you're the person that I want to help. And uh, yeah, so I made it for all levels. I don't care if you're a beginner starting to advance doing eight, nine figures a year. Like I got you. And it's the best way for me to help people as one. I don't have the time to work on people one-on-one, -on -one, um, but I do have the time to like mentor people as a group. Mm -hmm. So that's why I created it. It's just to help people. I don't care. I've invested all the money that I've made back into throwing events. You know, I just spent 14,000. That was like four or five months of just hard work with brand mentor. Mm -hmm. Just I just spend every dollar, bro. I don't even care about any dollar that I make with that. Real quick, I want to I wanna loop back a little bit to that, the topic of, you know, no mentors and you're kind of learning everything yourself, bro, because um, there's a lot of people out there, man, where you get, like, where you live in the hood, where you come with, like, there's not a lot of shit, dude, like, your parents don't know a lot, all they have is love and support, uh, your uncles and, you know, tios, tias, whatever, you know, they don't have a lot, your cousins, same shit, so you don't really have anybody to ask for help, um, it puts you in a whole different ballgame, and you have to get scrapping. You got to figure shit out, bro. Which obviously you did. But um, how did you go about learning the more advanced stuff, bro? Like, how? Because I feel like there's a lot of people at home like, well, shit, dude. Like Frankie, bro, I'm in the same fucking boat. You don't have a mentor, so what did you do? What books did you read? Did you read books? Did you watch YouTube? Right? What What did you do, yeah. bro, to kind of elevate yourself? Because that was a big part of it. That's a great question. I think that what the number one thing that people should do eventually once they get it is network more. Do everything you can to network, get out there, meet new people. Eight out of the 10 problems that are solved at my level right now are solved by my friends that are in the industry. People that have their own businesses that are doing eight to nine figures a year. They've already been through some of them already been through the things that I'm going through today. Mm. Like I didn't just find Kanye's lawyer out of nowhere. It was it was a connection that I made through someone. So you don't understand the higher you climb, you're going to be in a different caliber of like team, network, friends. Those people are the ones that are going to help you, whether it's a connection, an opportunity and so on. So like there are certain plays that I get once a year, twice a year that really make me a lot of money mm -hmm. um, that have nothing to do with my businesses. It's more mm -hmm. of like, yo, bro, this thing's happening right now. This can make you five hundred thousand dollars. Do this X, Y, Z. It's going to take you 10 minutes. Boom. So when you're when you're in a different caliber of friends and network, you're definitely going to get a lot of like opportunity to make money. And at the same time, 
like help you solve those bigger problems that you deal with. Mm-hmm. So number one, so number one thing for people watching at home, the number one thing you would recommend to somebody, maybe a kid or even an adult already trying to make it, is just meet new people. Not just new people, meet people that are in the same industry as mm. you. Uh, like if I'm hosting an event, go to my events. If you guys are hosting events mm-hmm. and they want to learn about insurance stuff, go to your events. Like meeting new people, networking gives you opportunity. Mm-hmm. I feel like it kind of goes back down where they're like, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. Yep. You know what I mean? And it kind of reminds me too of what you're saying. So like you, you, you get more plays with the higher up people because they know different ways of making plays too. Bro, they, they like know crazy how to do a and that's lot how of they kind of mm-hmm. Yep, they know a lot of stuff. Like people have everyone has gone think about it. Everyone has gone through different experiences in life and you can learn something from some from anyone. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to business, it's 8 out of the 10 things that people go through are more than likely the same. It's just yeah. it's bundled up in a different way. Dude, and it's so crazy how you mentioned network, bro, because I bet you like for me I was expecting like fucking you know, well now you have YouTube to go fucking learn or whatever you know about yourself. But it's really interesting that you mentioned network, bro, because I feel like just coming from my background, you know, my Hispanic background, dude, that's not like a skill that you're taught at home, you know. Like you're not taught to work with each other, you're not taught to network. Really like, well, I don't know how you experience those, bro, but like my Mexican, like the family that I have, my like my background, it's kind of like the opposite, bro. Like they don't really work together. Like, you know, if you got <laughs> yeah. people over there doing something, you do the opposite thing. Um, so it's really interesting, bro, because I like, damn, dude, I bet you like a lot of people, like I said, were probably expecting something like buy this book or these three books fucking help me or, you know, this course fucking help me. So um, that's interesting, bro. It's like the book because you figure, like you said, bro, every single person has gone through a different scenario they mm-hmm. possibly could learn from. So Literally, a book is the different experiences people have gone through throughout their life. So it's so true how you said it, bro. Yeah, man. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, there's no better way to to learn from experience. So mm-hmm. just and, to be real, yeah, like if, if <laughs> I mean, you guys don't understand when when I when I had an Audi R8, I think I bought it in like 2015 or 16. And uh, that car, I remember specifically that there were other people telling me, bro, don't buy it. Don't buy it. Because they've had it. They've already, I've already done it. You're what was gonna, the reason behind it? Uh, they were just going to tell me like, you know, after six months, you're not even going to care about the car. Mm. And I, they were right. After six months, I didn't drive the car at all. I didn't care about it. Um, so like I could have listened, but I needed to experience it. Mm. I needed to experience and feel that six months. And then after that, I realized, okay, cars don't make me They're Like, it's just another thing. So like and some lessons you kind of have to learn on your own. Too. You have to, I think there's no better way to learn them from experience because you sometimes lose. you see someone bump their head you're like oh, i don't want to do that if you can take if you can learn from someone else's mistakes that's the better way for sure but you're just not gonna feel it like if you made that mistake yourself you fucking learn like if i you, feel that though it, <laughs> like, like i feel like the first time against toxic oh let's try something this shit drops you sell like fuck you fuck up or yeah. like if you would have known or like been around someone that knew it's way different but like but bro, then you learn like fuck i'm gonna value whatever i invest in now you gotta you have to learn from others like bro if i wanted to work out what am i gonna youtube it or it might take me like three times longer to youtube it to try to figure out the form Rather than just working out with you, bro. Like, this is what you streamline do. Streamline that shit, yeah. Streamline it, make it faster. You tell me exactly what to do, and boom. Now we work together. We network. So that's basically what you should look for in a mentor, too. Like, if I find a mentor that's in the fitness, it's probably going to be someone that I know I want to look like. 100%, yeah. And it is what it is. So um, it's just people got to learn in different ways. To me, it's like I like to in-person stuff. Uh, video, reading books hasn't really been my thing. 
Um, and it's crazy, bro, because I've never read one book, but then I'll like see like clips from different audiobooks or podcasts from when someone mentioned something from a mm -hmm. book, and I'm like, yo, I said that before, and I've it's been, in a book. Yeah. So it's weird, like that the like we're on the <laughs> it's all the same thing, yeah. bro. Like. Just because I didn't read that book, I'm, I have the same like yeah, experienced it literally. So you didn't yeah. need to read it from someone it's else's. It's crazy, man. It's but crazy. I agree. Like what you said too. Like just networking is so important, and just half the time it's who you know and who they know too. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah, bumping the head a little bit, learn along the way has been like the best way to learn for me at least. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, bro, we talked a lot about on the topic of bumping heads and kind of like experiences and learning. We talked a lot about your first brand, Feather. You know, you started off that way, then we moved forward to the um, Tuna Tokyo, man, which I know that was a big thing for you. That was one of the big breaks for you. And then uh, we moved forward to the um, the shoe brand and everything like that with the Nike and everything else as well. But I want to talk a little bit about going forward, like your your stuff you have upcoming. So I know you also have an upcoming project. You've been working on it for a couple of years. That's dropping sometime this month, the next couple of months. Tell us about that and tell everyone at home what they can look forward to. So my whole entire life has led up to this moment. I, I've been working on brands that I've always built around my customer, never about me. So I'm building my first ever company that's all about me. It's my first step into designer luxury wear. So I'm creating my own designer brand called Kiros, which is my last name, Kiros. And yeah, that should be releasing this month. I was actually going to do this in four years, but it's going to happen now. That shit does sound Whoa. hard too. Like right off the bat, that shit sounds hard. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, but this is some of the best stuff I've ever created. It's more about what I feel like I know I'm going to wear where I could see other like great like rappers and celebrities and big fashion people uh, that are going to wear themselves. And I think that this is literally the best thing I've ever created. Um, I'm taking no shortcuts, man. Putting in a lot of money into it for sure. What What is the difference between this one and because I know you got you you got a little bit into streetwear as well with uh, Life of an Outsider, right? And yeah, kind of the this and I saw some of the designs there, bro, and it's sick. And right. some of the I'm, I'm looking forward to the new one. So, um, yeah, what well, what some of the similarities there? Some of the differences from from the brand in the past with that one. So Life of an Outsider was more streetwear. There was a little take here and there from like designer stuff, but at the end of the day, it was more streetwear mm -hmm. graphics. Um, we started off with denim, which was like our main bread and butter, and that kind of like got me in the, the my foot in the door with denim, with jeans and denim. And I've always loved building brands, especially like after Tune, stuff that I know is like more of a unicorn product. Life of an Outsider was known for denim. Um, I have another brand called Park Friends where we're known for jerseys. Mm. Um, Drip was known for shoes. So it's not, it's less about t-shirts, hoodies, and hats. It's more about getting every single piece of your body down. Q Rose is something that's going to be a higher price point and more than just like the denim that we created. We're literally every single stitch that's happening is handmade. Every Designer single button drip. is, you know, we made it the size, like every detail has been paid mm. attention to. Uh, so it's like definitely less streetwear, more luxury stuff that you you can't just wear on a daily basis. It's like runway type runway, shit. Huh? Yeah, like one step below runway for sure. Um, I think that Life of an Outsider is a brand you could wear like every day if you really wanted to. Mm -hmm. Kiro's ain't going to be that. It's going to be more of like, uh, maybe like on my best day I'll wear it. Mm -hmm. so that's Ooh, the, the red carpet shit. Yeah, huh? yeah, red like, carpet. I'm going to step red out on this. I'm going to wear the music turtle doves video, for the first time in these. Your music video, your birthday, like, the birthday, you know, where yeah. you're trying you to You change up. out as soon as you get there. Like, you wear the regular clothes, you get to the van. Like, nah, I change into this shit now. You're going to feel good when you wear my stuff. For that's sure. hard, bro. Yeah. This has me hella excited, too. I'm 
excited. This is the best thing I've ever created, man. Like I'm truly pumped. And then after that, I have one more company I'm working on. Uh, I've been working on it like for more than a year now. And that's going to be my next shoe company. After that, I'm done. Never going to build another brand again. Damn. Damn. Yeah. Heard it here first. I'm kidding. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the goal. Do you think you'll ever be able to completely put it down, bro, and stop? And, and like, do you think you'll ever be able to avoid that itch of building a company since you've done it so well and you've done so many times? I have a number in my head. And when I get that number, I will vanish from all social media. <laughs> Just dipping, huh? All social Gone. media. And it's not like a high number that everyone thinks about, mm -hmm. but it's a number where I know that, like, you got to think about it compared to where I started to where I am today. Mm -hmm. I've, I've already made it. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm fine. I don't need to do bro, nothing. Outside, we're definitely not in the hood. That's what I'll say. I don't like. need to do anything, <laughs> bro. Like, I don't need to do yeah. anything. Like, I'm good. I'm straight. And I think that I have a good number in my head. After that number, I'm just gonna vanish from social. I so don't. So you're just gonna like buy like an island, just move out there. No, not an we'll island. But I'm definitely. He just like buys an island. All right, guys. Nate's trying to get the coordinates right now. Like, <laughs> I'll see you in a couple of years. I'm putting the yacht over there. Let's go. You won't see me on social media after yeah. like after 40 for sure, for sure, bro. Like I will not be on social. You think it's because of you've done it for so long? You're just ready to like. I'm ready to live life, a little man. Bit. Mm. I'm ready to live life. I'm ready to have a family. I'm ready to Done enjoy every man. single day of my life. Yeah. Not retirement. Like, I'm still going to work on my brands. It's going to be less about me as a person, more about, like, my businesses and making, like, the minimum. Because by then, I should be straight anyways. No. Yeah. That's an exit plan. That's important. Yep. Huge exit plan. Most people try to, like, say, I want a billion dollars. I mm. want $500 million. Like, Come on, man. You got to think about where you started. Yeah. And it's not about you. It's about like your future kids. Like my kids aren't going to start where I started, where my parents started. They're starting in a whole better like situation mm -hmm. than I could have ever dreamed of. And they're instead of them being 20 steps behind, they're going to be 40 steps ahead. Yeah. So that's the difference. And I think that that's cool. I've already won. Yeah, bro. So switching gears a little bit to, I know we talked a lot about brands, building brands. One of the important questions I want to ask you as far as building the brand is how important is it, bro, to have a solid spouse to hold you down and have you have, have by your side the whole way there? Man, that's important because like, if you don't, if you're in this industry, bro, and you don't have a, if you're, if you're a man, mm -hmm. you're a male and you don't have a girlfriend, bro, your most of your day is probably going to be thinking about like getting girls, bro. And that can hold you back. Mm -hmm. Like if, I bet you, bro, I, I bet you that most people watching this, most dudes watching this that are single, I bet you 90% of the people that you follow are women and probably models. They play and you Instagram, have no Nate. chance with anyways. <laughs> so it's like you're just wasting your time looking at chicks all day long. And that to me is a waste of time. If you look at my muted list, because um, I'm in the industry, so I work with a lot of models. I've worked with models like for a very, very long time. And I don't want to be a dick and unfollow all of them, especially because like I see who they're following. They're following like 200 people and I'm one of them, you know, and they're get, they got they have like millions of followers. Yeah. So I don't want to yeah. I don't want to be a dick because it could be a connection towards my brand. And so I just mute them. So if you look at all my muted oh, accounts, bro, it's crazy. It's bro, like over shit, 500 bro. muted like different uh models and stuff it's just a waste of time it gives you temptation it's it's a way for me to like block that out the other thing too is i don't have to worry about anything like as far as um like just i think that it's more like stable i think i've always been through a lot of like worriness in my life and having like a wife hold you down i think it gives you stability mm -hmm. 
Um, it's really important too because it, it's like you need to find someone that's a complete opposite of you. If you, all you're doing is thinking about work, your time, and your business, then you're literally like you're just wasting your life away. So find the complete opposite. She's more in the present, in the moment, and has always like grounded me, especially with my ego, bro. She's kept me really humble too. At any moment, I could have been a douche, a dick head with all like, you know, like most people are mm -hmm. when they have a lot of money. She's, bro, she's held me down for sure, like grounded me, uh, keeps me humble. She doesn't care about designer. She doesn't care about the fancy things, the materialistic things. That's me. And I think that, yeah, we complement each other for sure. So and that's, that's so sick, bro. One. It's one of the most underrated things I feel like in business because most people think that it's the opposite, right? Where yeah. you don't have to have a chick. I don't need this. But like realistically, if you do have one and you have like a good one that's holding you down, I mean, there's times in business probably where I'm sure you can testify, bro, where there's times where you're like, damn, like the bills are coming on next month. Utilities are coming for the office or whatever it is. And I don't have it or whatever it is, you know, and having someone there to hold you down and say, Hey, like, remember when you first started, remember X, Y, Z and kind of just lifting you up. Like you said, an unbiased opinion. That's the opposite of the whole business crazy world that you're in is super underrated, bro. Bro. If I like, if I were to, st if I was single right now, like I would have major trust issues because I already have it. <laughs> yeah. You know, she was there from the very start yeah. when I where I didn't have anything. So um, try to find it early before you get all your all your successes, bro. Because <laughs> Fuck, that makes sense. you never know. You like just if it's just ulterior know. mode. Yeah. Does she love you or does she love <laughs> like what you have? The desire. Does she love the Cabo yeah. trips? Yeah. Does she love it? <laughs> does she love those trips, bro? Uh, <laughs> Does she that's love the car? Yeah, it was funny, dude. That, that was a really good question because I know that uh, when we first became friends, he was going to a mastermind. And I know he told me, we, he talked about this topic. We were talking about this topic. Um, and he said something to do that I was like, damn, you're kind of fucking right, bro. What did, what did the old guy say, bro? It was like, you're not a, um, I don't know a word for what, but he's oh, like. Oh, yeah. He was saying like young guys in business, if you don't have a wife, you're just like, you're just a young guy, just a horny young guy, just out there doing what you want. But he said like. No matter what age you're, if you're 25 years old, you're married, you have, a, or you have a chick that's really there to hold you down, you don't have those. You're just more mature. I forgot how he said it, but he's, yeah. you're, you're just more mature, and you have something to hold you down. He's like, yeah, he's like something like you're just a boy until you like really find the chick. That's like, what it is. Yeah, like yeah. You're just a boy until you get married, or like you know you get the chick that holds you down. Then you kind of become a man. So I was like, damn, that's kind of real because exactly what you said, bro. Like I feel like, well, a lot of guys can relate, bro. Like if if you're trying to make it, like you're either working, you're focusing on making it, and then the nine, the other, like that's ten percent of the bandwidth, right? The other bandwidth goes to like what you're saying, bro. Chicks, and it does hold you back. Bro, especially with Instagram right now. We oh, that's Why like are you 80, attacking me bro, right now? That's like eighty <laughs> percent, man. That's bro, because like 80 we've of talked the about time. this. We've talked about this with them. I stay bricked up. We need to have an intervention, bro. We just need to do this. This is like the reason why I'm really mentioned for Nate over there. Man, we gotta talk. Eighty, bro. If you're single, if you're like twenty-two years old, twenty-three, if you're under the age of twenty-three, eighty percent of your time is looking fucking through Instagram looking at girls or That's on true. Tinder, Bumble, yeah. whatever, whatever fucking apps there are these days. <laughs> bro, straight up, man. Like, come on, we're all dudes here. Like, it is what it is. Yeah. So to me, it, you gotta pick and choose, man. You either want a, a girl to hold you down from the very start before you have all your success. Uh, and they'll, you know, they're literally gonna be there from the ground up. Mm -hmm. Or you're just gonna be a horn dog looking at Instagram models all day long. <laughs> it is what it is. It does man. not happen, by the way, guys. <laughs> not like that. He was just telling. She's like, bro, you know the dating apps nowadays are just so revolutionary, bro. On the whole way here, I'm like, so revolutionary. <laughs> like critiquing the apps and everything. Uh, shit, that's the, one of the coolest things ever. 
that I heard uh, from Lil Wayne. Mm-hmm. There was this interview, bro. I forgot. I forget kind of how it went, but basically the girl's like, do you, um, do you like fuck or do you have like sex? He's like, sex. Like, I don't, I don't do sex. And then she's like, no, like, do you have, do you have sex with other women? And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, yeah, but I just don't have time for sex. He said it in a cooler way than that, yeah. though. But ever <laughs> yeah, since I took, yeah. I took clip. that, bro. I, yeah, yeah, you need to bring up the clip, bro. It was so dope. It basically, it was like one of the hardest things I've ever heard because he's like, I'm so fucking busy that I don't even care about girls right now. That's like real. I'm so I'm so after what I need, mm-hmm. and nothing's gonna stop me, including like women, bro. Which is like probably our, you know, our kryptonite for mm-hmm. a lot of men. Always been that way. Use a lot of influencers too, right? Like I've noticed that you had like Logan Paul, Jake Paul, all wear your, your shirt, stuff like yeah. that. How did you get into like the influencer marketing like that? When and you, when did you do that? And when did you, and yeah. did you see a big difference? That's a great question, bro, because like this is one of the secret unicorns. You got to build leverage with them. So what I did was they wore drip. So when you're working with influencers you want to or celebrities, you want to provide them something that they can't get anywhere else. Mm. They can't go to the store. They can't go online. And what we provided was shoes that had everything that they loved on them. Like, mm. um, for instance, Logan was working on Maverick, his clothing brand at the time. Mm-hmm. If I just sent him a T-shirt, a hoodie, I mean, he already has that. Every influencer has merch. Yeah. He doesn't have shoes, though. So I sent him a customized shoes just for him. And obviously, like, I never asked him to post it. I never asked him for anything. He came back three, four times and ended up, like, wanting more and more custom shoes. And that happens with, like, a lot of rappers, a lot of celebrities. We didn't that even have to with. sell because you, you gave him everything he wanted, too. You know what Bro, I mean? Bro, it's like there was art. There was a certain artist that they love their dogs and we put their dogs on the shoes. And they ended up like posting it and promoting it, wearing it on the red carpet. That's so fucking smart. It's though. it's that's, that's like true, one, they can't get those shoes anywhere. Two, we are putting yeah, everything that, that they love, man. bro, on the shoe. It's it's just game over. So, so. like this, you focus on the psychology of sales too. Straight up, bro. Because like, marketing is essentially just psychology. It's too, digital right? psychology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the world that I play in. But that's what it is. There's emotional attachment to like certain things, and we put those things that they love into that. Even with like park friends my jersey company so i built a brand around the happiest place on earth which is like disneyland and other places that are very similar to that it's inspired by people that go to theme parks and most of the time when they're on theme parks they're on vacation they're with family they're having the greatest time of their lives so i focus on people's happiness rather than their darkness that's number one the second thing is now i'm providing what they love so they might have been with park friends they love mickey mouse they love all the disney stuff movies so we're kind of just like creating similar cartoons in a way being inspired by like the our childhood nostalgia of moments and movies Mm. cartoons and we're putting them on these uh on these jerseys and we're putting them with their like family last name and their favorite number so they get to choose like they get to customize customization yeah where they can't get anywhere else so it's the same thing with jerseys bro it's just i mean the, the shoes it's just with jerseys Oh, smart. That's crazy. So do you, so with the marketing, you focus on that psychology a lot of the time. The last thing is the, the high perceived value of the product. So if the, if your influencer thinks that the products are worth $20, they're not going to post it. But Mm. because we're selling our shoes for 200 or our jerseys for 150, they feel like it's like, holy crap, this is more of expensive product. I send them three pairs of shoes they know that's close to a thousand dollars so they're like okay like they actually gave a fuck yeah Yeah. they care about it they care about it because there's value in it um so that's like the last point for sure 
And I think that the marketing game is literally the most important game that anybody should get in. Because going back to what I said earlier, you need to learn how to make money for your businesses or learn how to make money for others. You'll never go broke if you do that. Damn, another jam, dude. Drop I'm learning so much shit today. It's crazy. <laughs> Someone can start off at the podcast. If they're looking to start a business, like, hey, I, I want to know what business to start or how to start a business. I feel like they could generally start the beginning of the podcast, watch it all the way through, and they're going to have everything, bro. Marketing, mm. CEO, yeah. leadership, grit, how to start, how to not give up. I mean, bro, that's yeah, it, you bro. broke it down top <laughs> yeah. to bottom. Damn, Pretty I think good. we dropped the course on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we, like the whole <laughs> thing. We just got to put the chapters on the video. <laughs> 100%, bro. And um, and we appreciate your time. I know well, obviously we've been here a lot and you're super busy, bro. So we really appreciate you coming on a mm-hmm. podcast. And obviously we just started this back in January, a couple months in. And like I said, this was one of the big ones that we were like, selfishly, we really got to get this guy on the pod just because there's so many gems you drop for mm-hmm. business that we can use too. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? So, um, and there, so in wrapping up, bro, because I know you're busy. Um, there's one final question we always ask every single person. It's it's a signature always his podcast question. And we wanted to ask you, bro. So uh, it's kind of like a situational base where I want you to picture and take yourself back to young Frankie, right? Before you knew everything was going to work out. Maybe young Frankie, when you were selling the shirts out of your car still, right? What's some words of wisdom you would give young Frankie to let yourself know that everything's going to be okay and you're going to make it out? Damn, that's a tough one, bro. Always is. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that's a tough one for sure. Um, I don't look. I th- The number one thing that I've learned is the same thing that I've told you guys, that your business is as big as you are. So if I can go back in time and understand that saying, then that's all I would need. Because then I would realize, like, oh, so if I get smarter, if I pay attention to what I consume, if I do everything I can to learn as much as possible, eventually my business will follow me. And I think that that's what it is. Um, but I would stick to that, that your business is as big as you are. Damn. That's real. 100%, bro. And I know everyone back at home, like I said, if you're looking to start a business, you haven't had one yet, or even if you have one right now and you're like, damn, I'm at a crossroads. I need to lo- improve my business and I don't really know where to start. Like rewind this podcast back, look into Frankie. I know he has a lot of cool different programs, brands, and you can literally get access to Frankie with his brand mentor and the stuff that he, he has going on over there too. So rewind it back, make sure you tap in with him. And uh, if they want to find more about you, bro, where can they find you? Best place is Instagram. So at Frankie Q Rose, uh, that's it. Yeah. Awesome. So make sure you go find him. Make sure you hit him up. And uh, we appreciate you guys, you guys at home always showing so much love to us. Uh, always watching the Always Podcast. If you haven't yet, make sure you rate us five stars on Spotify, Spotify Podcast, Apple Podcast, and YouTube, man. If you loved it, let us know. If you hate it, let us know. We always appreciate all the feedback. And uh, anything before we wrap up, guys? I'm ready, bro. This was a good one. Um, thank you so much to Frankie, bro, for not only coming on the pod, but hosting us in your home, bro. So we really appreciate you, man. Appreciate you guys. Uh, thank you for you. everything, bro. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you, bro. Appreciate you thank you, guys. Crushed it. Wraps it up. We'll see you on the next one. Peace.